Welcome aboard, Seth Goldberg with you for another episode of a show to be named later. It is Friday, June 8th, 2018. We are getting ready for Game 4 of the NBA Finals. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You'll hear from Chris Carlson coming up as well. His fantastic writing earlier this week about Daryl Gross and what he was being compensated with and how. And we'll, we'll talk to Chris about all of that coming up on a show to be named later. As promised, we bring in Chris Carlson now, and, and we talked about this story yesterday on the podcast, Chris, but you're reporting about Daryl Gross and the compensation that he got after resigning as athletic director. Uh, fill in the blanks here, but it, it seems like essentially he got the same compensation over, over the following three years after having to resign due to the NCAA investigation. Yeah, uh, there's certainly some blanks that I would like to fill in, too, um, yes. but haven't been able to. But, but you know, the, the gist of it is, is um, you know, Daryl resigned after the NCAA investigation was over. Um, nobody ever said it was due to the NCAA investigation. Um, nobody ever said it was because he was being held responsible. But, but that was kind of the general feeling from most people. Um, when you resign after a scandal, most people usually connect the two. Um, you know, and then he was given a, this post as a as a special assistant to the chancellor, um, which we've all seen used at most places as kind of a way to put people out to pasture, um, let them finish out their contracts without firing them. Um, so that's what we all thought happened with, with Daryl, and that's how we thought Syracuse handled it. Um, you know, we thought Syracuse kind of had a, a pretty strong response to the NCAA investigation. Um, but it turns out that, that they uh, they signed him to a three year. Uh, contract um, after it was over worth worth pretty much the same salary that he was making as athletic director. Um, So, uh, you know, kind of a surprise to people that thought that that he had been kind of held accountable and and punished to some degree by the university. Yeah, you know, the accountability thing is something I I do want to get back to because it it set off alarms in my head Uh, reading this story, uh, you know, yesterday and now with the benefit of hindsight uh, with the basketball program as well. But you mentioned there, you know, normally you would think that's a position to, you know, just, hey, ride out your contract, lay low for, you know, the next year and and then go do what you want to do. It's it's interesting that that wasn't the case here. Like they they re-upped him to put him in that position, um, you know, to teach one class at the Fox School or or something along those lines. It, that was the interesting part to me. Any any idea? And, and I don't I, reading this. I, I don't think that the uh, I, I don't think that the university was elaborating on this. But any idea what he was doing outside of the outside of that original? Like, hey, you're going to teach at the Fox School thing. Yeah, we you know we know he taught that one class, and and, and Syracuse said he was going to work in advancement and, and marketing. Um, now, granted, some of those positions aren't exactly high profile uh, where you're in the, the public eye, um, but it, it is certainly curious that Syracuse, um, you know, didn't connect him with any projects. Uh, you know, didn't connect him <laughs> right. with any major uh, works by the university. Um, so yeah, kind of your 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 best guess is as good as mine. But I, I you know, from talking to people, and, and this isn't everybody at Syracuse. Maybe right. he was just involved with a different crowd now. Uh, but but from what I have heard from folks at Syracuse University, he was not a, a particularly active member of the university community. You know, Chris, I, I think the the one of the uh, one of the more interesting points, I, I think even more so than that, they re-upped his contract is that 
at some point here he goes to you know the chancellor or whoever he's reporting to and says, I have this opportunity across the country. And for whatever reason, they, they pay him uh, what seems to be a severance for a job that he quits. Uh, I, I was curious about this because, you know, I, I would think that if you go to quit the job, you're not going to get paid your severance. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes it really, really curious. Um, for sure, because you're right. Um, if Syracuse had actually signed him to a three-year contract for something they wanted him to do, um, and he was playing a vital role in the university, um, it would not allow that person to just walk away. Oh, they, it might allow that person to walk away for free, but it certainly wouldn't then turn around and pay him $675,000 to quit that very valuable job that, that he was doing for the university. Um, and, and I think it, that certainly, you know, it should set off alarm bells. It raises a ton of questions about why Syracuse signed him to that three-year contract um, that I wish I knew the answer to. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't. It's a question that I wish Syracuse University would respond to, um, but, but they haven't. But, I, I, you know, why you, would, why you would pay somebody to break a contract with you, it, there is no plausible reason in my mind. You know, Chris, you you mentioned the the ringing alarm bells. I mentioned it earlier when you mentioned accountability. My one of my overarching thoughts when I I read this story and and this article from you yesterday is, all right, so the sanctions come down, and Daryl Gross resigns or or however they want to say it, and Jim Beheim is going to retire in three years, and we now know that Jim Beheim is not retiring after three seasons, and we know that Daryl Gross had a very nice, cushy, soft landing spot. So who was held accountable for, for what happened? Yeah, and I mean, you know, again, there, there are certainly people out there that, that have reasonably made the case that, you know, the sanctions were minimal and the NCAA overcharged and it was a whole bunch of, of nothing um, and that, that nothing should have happened. And, you know, while I might disagree with that assessment, it is a reasonable opinion for anybody to hold. Um, but what ended up happening is, is Syracuse appeared to hold all these very powerful people accountable. And we take academics very seriously. Um, and, and we're going to come down hard on this, this terrible thing. Um, when in reality, they, they weren't treating it very terrible or, or very seriously at all. And, you know, if they wanted to not treat it very seriously, uh, that would certainly be their prerogative, but then they should say it. They, they should be honest about it and transparent and say, hey, listen, like, we think this is all, we think this is all nonsense, and we're not going to hold Jim Beheim accountable, and we're not going to hold Daryl Gross accountable, because we don't really think it's important, and, and we don't think there's anything for them to be held accountable for. But, but what happened is it appeared like they were holding everybody accountable when they weren't, and that's kind of a problem. Yeah, that that's my thought, is, is okay, you, you put on this facade of Daryl Gross is, is out, and you put on this 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 act of Jim Beheim is going to retire, which I, I think that at some point everybody was a little skeptical of, even from the start, and then obviously yeah. Hopkins leaves and, and all the circumstances changed. And, you know, yesterday when I was talking about this and really thinking it through, Chris, the people who were hurt the most and, and the people who were punished the most ended up being like Rakeem Christmas, you know, for, for the postseason ban. Yeah, certainly Rakeem Christmas. I mean, if you remember that that season, they they were kind of on the NCAA tournament bubble. They'd beaten some some they'd beaten Duke. Um, they'd had some surprising results, and if they finished the season strong, um, you know, the, they might have had a chance, like two of the past three years, to, to creep in on the bubble. 
Um, they were certainly robbed uh, of kind of an ACC tournament experience that mattered where, where they could have made a magical run. Um, you know, Rakeem Christmas, the end of his career and the end of really an exceptional season, he was just grinding out to a finish that we all knew it was going to end. And it really didn't seem like that was a particularly enjoyable for experience for him. Um, so, yeah, you, you've got the players. And then, like most NCAA investigations, you have some lower-level employees that end up, you know, taking the fall. Now, now whether that's right or wrong um, and, and what you feel uh, is the job of, of people in charge to set the tone for an organization, um, you know, that's up to you. Uh, my personal belief is if you're paying all those people all that much money, they, they should be responsible for something. Um, but, yeah, you know, Rakeem Christmas and then some mentors and, and some tutors and Stan Kissel, who, who was Syracuse's former director of basketball operations. Um, after all of that, those are the pe- only people that really kind of felt the brunt of it. Chris, thanks so much for the time. Great work on this great reporting, and uh, we'll be keeping our eye out for more if, if you hear anything. Yes, uh, thanks so much for having me. All right, our thanks again to Chris Carlson. Great stuff out of Chris uh, reporting out this story, finding some stuff about Daryl Gross uh, that obviously was was not made readily available at the time and, and really good job putting that all together. If you have not read the whole story, go find it on Syracuse.com uh, in the Post Standard. I'm sure it'll be running this weekend as well. Uh, so go check that out. Also follow him at C Carlson on SU. I know I tweeted out a link. I'm sure he has tweeted out multiple links to that piece. Wanted to remind you before we get to some NBA playoffs talk that you can subscribe on our iTunes feed, which uh, if you're listening to us, you, you probably have already. But check out On the Block with Brent Axe. Check out uh, 30 Minutes in Orange Nation when we are back on August 6th. We'll be back from our, our summer vacation. And of course, the Daniel Baldwin Show, podcasted every day. You can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play and get them delivered straight to your phone every single day. Or check out at ESPNSyracuse.com. And while you're there, visit our audio vault. Visit our audio vault. Get every interview we do cut separately and put right there. So check out the audio vault at ESPNSyracuse.com and all of our podcasts. Now back to a show to be named later. All right, let's get to some NBA Finals talk here. It is Game 4 of the NBA Finals tonight in Cleveland. And, you know, we said this after Game 2 when the series shifted from Golden State to Cleveland. The only thing left to watch for is whether they can finish off a sweep, whether the Warriors can sweep this Cleveland team, and whether LeBron can win Finals MVP while his team gets swept. I think that he's fallen off enough, and and don't get me wrong, he's still been unbelievable, right? Like, otherworldly good. He's still been that good, but he's fallen off enough that I think that we can now end that conversation, right? Like, I, I don't think he's in the conversation for the MVP. However, I do think that the Warriors are going to finish off a sweep. I think that the Warriors are going to finish it tonight. I think that that is it. And we're not really going to think too much of it. Warriors are going to go in there. They'll do what they do. Maybe they'll finally all play together. Maybe they'll finally all play a good game at the same time. And they're going to walk out champions. Just like they did last year. Just like they did in 2015. And they're going to win three out of four titles. And we're going to start having the conversation. You know we are. We're going to have start having the conversation of where does this team fit 
amongst the greatest of all time. We're going to start having that conversation because I think it's a legitimate one. I think that when you look at the greatest teams of all time, the Bill Russell Celtics from so long ago get thrown in their own category, right? They went to, what, eight, nine straight finals? Russell won 10 rings. Like, that is so far in its own category. So, kind of sort of modern, right? Let's let's keep this to a modern lens of the greatest teams of all time. I don't know that anybody's touching the Jordan Bulls. They won six titles in eight years, six and six years when you factor in when they had MJ. So, I don't know that anybody's touching them. But how does this Golden State Warriors team, winning three and four years, and the dominance that they've shown, how does it stack up to some of those teams of the 80s? How does it stack up to the Lakers of the 80s, to the Magic and Kareem and Worthy? How does it stack up to that team? How does it stack up to the Boston Celtics of the 80s with Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish? How does it stack up to that team? Or the Spurs of earlier this decade, the Lakers of the turn of the century? How does how, how do those teams stack up with the Warriors? And I think that ultimately when you look at it, the Warriors are going to stack up pretty favorably to most of them. To most of them. I think that they're better than the Spurs. Than the Spurs. I do. I think they're probably about on par, if not better. I think they're better than that Lakers team at the turn of the century with Shaq and Kobe. And I know that they went three-peat. But I tend to think that this Warriors team is better and just looking at the the depth and what they've done, they're going up against LeBron James and, and his teams in these four finals. It's been nothing short of incredible, the teams that they've beaten. I mean, maybe safe for this year. And I think you're ultimately comparing... This team, this Warriors team, to ghosts, to teams of the 80s, to the Celtics, to the Lakers, that we remember so fondly, that we love, right? That we make out to be Cavs and Warriors of now, where they met every single year in the finals. Where there was an ESPN 30 for 30, a three-part series. Last year, about that series, about that rivalry. It was a rivalry. Much more so than Cavs and Warriors of today. But I think that that's, those are the two teams that we're comparing this Warriors team to. Lakers and Celtics of the 80s. They are on the same level as those two teams if they were to pull out the, the this championship. And look, they're up 3-0. They're going to win this title. With that being said, The other storyline that is going to start, if it hasn't started already, and I I think that for the most part it has already started, but the other story that is going to get started and really heat up and start, you know, really flowing is the what is LeBron James going to do discussion. Because it's now a discussion every single year with him signing smartly, by the way, signing one-year deals maximizing his value. It's a discussion every single year, and it feels like now more so than ever, he's going to leave, right? It seems like now more so than last year or the year before, he might legitimately leave. So where's he going to go? And if he does leave, and I saw this written today on The Athletic, and I could not agree more. I was thinking about it as I heard this LeBron James clip earlier in the day. If LeBron James leaves, he laid out why. Golden State, from their top five best players to our top five players, you would say that they're stacked better than us. I mean, that's 
let's just speak truth, Kevin Durant, and you got two guys with MVPs on her team, and then you got a guy in Clay who could easily be on a team and carry a team, score 40 in a quarter before, and then you have Draymond. And he goes on to say that Draymond is one of the best defensive players in the league, and it makes sense. Right? Why would he leave Cleveland? Why did he leave Cleveland last time? Because the talent wasn't good enough. The team around him just wasn't quite good enough to get the job done. That's why he left Cleveland the first time around. Because he couldn't beat the Celtics. Because he was walking off the floor at the Boston Garden a loser. That's why he left the first time around. And yeah, this time... He can beat the Celtics, and he can beat up on the Raptors, and he can beat up on on the Pacers and the Pistons and the 76ers and the Nets and the Knicks and the Heat and whoever else you want to throw at him from the Eastern Conference. But he can't quite get this team. He can't quite win it all. He can't get the Warriors. And how important is it for him to get them again? How important is it for him to beat this team again? How much of a drive does he have to go get that next ring? And I think that, and that question almost alone, is going to answer the question of where LeBron James ends up. I think this question, this decision, this this thought process... By reading most of the reporting in Cleveland, it seems like this will be driven by winning. And where LeBron James has the best chance to win. Is that Cleveland? I don't know. But Cleveland is home. How much does being home matter? How much does not having to move your family matter? How much does letting your kids finish high school in the same place matter? All questions to ask. How much does fame and fortune and Hollywood and post-career matter? Does it mean he's going to go to the Lakers or the Clippers and play in L.A. and live in Brentwood where he's got a house? And then he can build his already growing multimedia business, the uninterrupted. Or does he just want to win? Does he just want to team up with some friends and win? Does he want to go to Houston, even if they have to gut the roster? Even if they have to cut it all open and only have LeBron, Chris Paul, and James Harden? Is that where he wants to go? Is that who he thinks gives them the best chance to beat the Warriors? What's the decision here? What is it going to be based around? And you can make a case for most every team in the league. Does he want to go for a legacy play? Does he want to go for a legacy play? Does he want to go to New York? Play in Madison Square Garden? Do something that even Patrick Ewing couldn't do for that starving franchise? Because if you win a title with New York... If you win a title with the Knicks and have that parade down the Canyon of Heroes, you're a god. You are a god. 
So what does he want? What is it that LeBron James wants? What is going to factor into his decision the most? And then you can figure out where you think he'll go. I just laid out four or five cases that all sound totally plausible. Stay home, let your kid finish high school, play in your backyard. It's Cleveland. Fame, fortune, money, build your, bris- build your business, grow your empire, grow your brand. You're going to Hollywood. Beat the Warriors, you're probably going to Houston to join up with Chris Paul and James Harden. You want to build your legacy? You want to elevate to higher than a king? You go to New York. You go to the Knicks. For the record, I think that is the least likely of all options. The least likely of all options. There's no way I see him actually going to the Knicks, but I think it's on the table. Because of how starved that franchise is for a winner. Because they haven't been legitimately good in now nearly 20 years. Because they haven't won a title in almost, almost 50 years. 45 seasons since they've won a title. You win one there. And you're you're above a king. You're above a mere mortal. And look, maybe this is me, the New Jersey native who grew up a Yankee fan who watched parades as the Yankees and Giants went down that parade route. But you can't tell me there's a better parade route in the country than going down the Canyon of Heroes and getting to New York City Hall. You cannot tell me there's a better parade route than that. So I think that's on the table. But those are the two questions that will be left to ponder after tonight's game. Because tonight's going to be the end of the NBA season. Game four is where it ends. The Warriors are going to come out because the Warriors are just better. Right? The Warriors are just the best team in basketball. And it doesn't matter if they're all playing together. It doesn't matter if they're all on. It doesn't matter if... You know, they're they're all on the same page. Because they haven't been all playoffs long. They haven't been all playoffs long. And they've managed just fine. They've gotten to the NBA Finals. They've gotten a 3-0 lead. And you haven't looked at them and said at any point, hey, they look good. They look like they're in the same kind of groove. They look like they're all on the same page. But it's worked. It's worked for them. So the two questions are going to be after tonight. Where does this Warriors team fit in NBA history? Where do you put this Warriors team? Who do you compare them to? I say the teams of the 80s and the and the Lakers and the Celtics. Those are their, their those are their peers after they've won 3 in 4 years. And where is LeBron going to end up? What jersey will he be wearing next year? And that will be the most fascinating storyline of the NBA offseason, bar none. Because it always is. Because it's LeBron James. Because he runs this league. 
I got the Warriors tonight. I got Kevin Durant taking home finals MVP for the second consecutive year. And we're talking about an all-time great team and a dynasty. We got a busy weekend. We got our bus trip going down to City Field. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see if we get a podcast in on Monday. I might be sleeping. We'll try and get one out for you on Monday afternoon following our bus trip down to Yankees-Mets at City Field. What a great weekend ahead. Thanks again to Chris Carlson for joining us on the podcast. Hey, enjoy the weekend. Maybe, maybe by Monday, I'll have a better name for this. This has been Episode 5 of a show to be named later.